Hi everyone, my name is David Svi Kalman, and I'm a Hadar Campus Scholar at Penn along with my wife Yael. This semester I'm teaching a class called Torah and Technology, and what I want to do today is just read you my introduction to the class. Generally, the recordings that you'll see on this podcast are not just me reading text, they're live discussions, uh, but as a kind of formal introduction, this is my general welcome to the class. So we all have an intuitive sense that the study of the relationship between technology and Torah is worthwhile. I know this because every time I tell someone about my research, they seem interested. There's a coolness factor to the topic, I think, that accompanies any combination of old material and new realities. So let me start out first by validating that popular reaction. You're right, it is pretty cool. But what I want to do today is explain exactly why I think it's cool and why the study of Torah and technology is not just fodder for an article or two in the Sunday section of the New York Times, but an absolutely essential area of study for the coming century, one which has the potential to help us understand the way in which halacha is made and the role of both legislators and lay people in the development of the halachic system. Technology can help us understand these things because studying technology means studying a continuous fountain of novelty. What's more, technological innovation represents a kind of novelty which is particularly ripe for study. So let me list three reasons why I think this is so. So first of all, the kind of novelty that technology provides is much less ambiguous than the novelty provided by changing political or social situations. If I were to claim, for example, that there is something novel about American democracy, or by the status of women in our society, or by the acceptance of queer and transgendered persons in science and in law, you might reasonably claim that these are not innovations at all because they are simply fluctuations along a range of possible positions, or that they are in fact steps in the wrong direction and have already been rejected by the Torah, or that the word innovation is ill-suited because it is too difficult to quantify the changes in politics or society in the first place. These rebuttals are not hypothetical. In fact, Many Orthodox rabbis have made just these kinds of arguments in addressing contemporary Western culture. Because there is no agreement on what constitutes a social or political novelty, studying novelty through these lenses is much hairier and much more fraught than studying it through the lens of technology. Second, technological innovation happens fast, and its pace only continues to increase. While it is hard to point to a single moment when feminism came into its own, the steam engine and the radio can be very well located in time, and their dissemination in various countries is thoroughly documented. In particular, the speed of tech innovation today far outpaces the speed of halakhic literature, and indeed any legal literature, to deal with that innovation. As a result, the halakhic text that we'll be looking at can be situated in terms of a technology's state of development in a particular year, and sometimes we can even plot the full history of rabbinic responses to a given technology right from its very inception. Finally, technology and technological innovation are essentially neutral from the perspective of Jewish sources. As we will see later in the semester, Jewish sources seem to have relatively little to say about technological innovation itself, even when we might like them to be more aware of its existence. Judaism's tech neutrality is important because it means that there is generally no overriding reason for a rabbi to embrace or denounce any given technology. By way of contrast, the reluctance of the Amish to adopt new technologies is directly tied to Amish ideals of asceticism and simplicity, and new technologies from the outside world are, as a rule, suspected of being harmful to those ideals, at least initially. At the other extreme from the tech-negative Amish, contemporary American culture is clearly tech-positive, 
and places a positive value on technology and innovation, and even praises disruptive innovation—that is, innovation which occurs at the expense of an existing institution. In contrast to both the Amish and the contemporary American culture, the rabbinic response to new technology is tech neutral, and it usually is an engagement with the novel thing itself, without the fact of its novelty playing a key role in decisions one way or the other. Because of these three characteristics of tech innovation. Its unambiguity, its speed, and Judaism's neutrality towards it, the study of the interaction between technology and halacha provides us with an almost endless series of interesting and novel halachic conversations. What ties these conversations together is the need for rabbis to quickly incorporate something new into a body of law which does not discuss it, or at least does not discuss it directly. In short, looking at how rabbinic literature deals with technology. Is an effective way of collecting a set of texts in which rabbis are forced to be creative and to expand the halachic discourse in the process, both by reading old texts to appreciate new circumstances and by legislating entirely new regulations on the basis of their own authority. Being able to identify these creative moments is incredibly useful, because it is at moments when halachists are forced to be creative that we are best able to learn about how they operate. Whereas under normal circumstances, it is difficult to separate out the thinking and the rulings of the halachist from the thinking and the rulings of his predecessors, technological innovation requires rabbis to act in a vacuum or in a near vacuum, with only text to guide them. This ability to isolate a single individual's thought process means that, if, for example, he has chosen to deal with innovation by a straightforward extension of existing laws, that extension was his idea. Based only on his personal ability to call relevant material from his personal storehouse of textual knowledge, or in the modern world, through his, the storehouse that is found in Barilon or other search tools, if he instead chooses to assert a new claim that is based in whole or in part on his personal authority, we also learn something about this individual's perception of his own legislative power. Because of the novelty of these cases. Even the least interesting responses to technological change can teach us something about that halachist method, not just for that particular response, but for the scholar's other work as well. I am confident in generalizing from technology cases to other cases because, as I've articulated above, Judaism is tech neutral, and there is therefore no reason for a halachist to use different methods when dealing with a tech case than he would when dealing with some other case. In this way, we are greatly aided by Judaism's indifference towards technology. Had more been at stake in technology cases, they would not serve as very good tests. So one purpose of this class is to learn about the halachic process through what I believe are a peculiarly helpful set of texts. On this front, the class will have been a success if we are able to use technology cases to say something about the author who wrote them or the books in which they are contained. This first purpose is general and is entirely descriptive, but there's another more narrow purpose, one which is both descriptive and prescriptive. The second purpose is perhaps even more important for us as a member of the Jewish community living through the most rapid period of technological change in human history. Rabbinic literature on technological innovation tells us not just about the methods of the halachists, but about the general trends in the way that new technologies are dealt with as they emerge. In previous centuries, when innovation was slower, creating a general framework for technology and halacha was perhaps less important. In the future, however. We are likely to see new technologies affect our lives in ways both more various and more substantial. And I would add, in previous centuries, it was possible for rabbis to create responses to new technological situations because there was often a long pause after a technology. In the future, technology seems to be increasing 
um, constantly and it never fully matures or reaches a plateau. And so there's kind of a moving target. In recent years, there have been case studies of particular areas of halakha, but to date there are almost no general frameworks to help us understand how innovation has been dealt with in the past, let alone thoughts about methods for dealing with future innovations. In this way, this course will be an attempt to understand how rabbis dealt with the unexpected in the past and what, if anything, we should do in the future to systematize the way in which new innovations are incorporated into the world of Torah. In answering this question, we will also deal with some of the contemporary American legal scholarship, which deals with emergent technologies, although this is a problem which the American legal system, like every world legal system today, is still actively trying to solve. Unlike previous classes, this is not one where I know most of the answers in advance, or pretend to know most of the answers in advance. It is, as far as I can tell, a more or less entirely unexplored way of looking at halacha, and so this is very much a workshop, and I encourage you to bring in any data, Jewish or otherwise, that you think are relevant. In particular, I'd like us to entertain the possibility that, while Judaism has been tech-neutral in the past, maintaining an attitude of indifference may simply not be possible in the future and that halakhic decisors must engage more actively in our culture of innovation and disruption in a way that allows us to think about emerging technologies on more than just a case-by-case basis. I think it would be especially valuable if we could construct a way to communicate this hypothetical Jewish attitude towards innovation in a way that can be taught and internalized so that the emergence of new technologies does not leave us feeling like halakhic materials are simply becoming progressively less adequate and progressively more quaint. I believe very strongly that the Torah even despite its historicity, is timeless. But I also believe that timelessness is something that must be maintained by an unbroken chain of dedicated human agents. I believe that our link in that chain is responsible for directly engaging with the question of technology. The bulk of this class will consist of case studies, some of which you may have seen before either in other classes or written out in places like the Journal of Halakha in Contemporary Society. What separates this class from those analyses, I think, are differences in approach. So let me articulate some of those differences. Number one, we are examining not just modern technologies, but medieval and ancient technologies as well. The technological changes prior to the Industrial Revolution are not often appreciated when reading these sources, and most of us have a poor understanding of how technology changed between 500 BCE and 500 CE, or between 500 CE and 1000 CE. We stand to gain much by highlighting these technologies. Number two, Sometimes questions about halakha and technology, especially hypothetical questions, are treated as quirky cocktail party conversations, but not worthy of serious reflection. In this class, all halakha questions and all suggested answers, no matter how hypothetical the technology might be, need to be taken seriously. This is especially important today when we speak with increasing confidence about technologies that are still hypothetical, but which everyone expects to emerge sooner or later. Number three. We are not just interested in the reactions of the halakhists, but in the type and development of those reactions. Throughout these classes, we must ask ourselves questions like, how long did it take for a technology to warrant a halakhic response? Was the response initiated by the lady or by the clergy? Was it a direct or an indirect response? Did empirical evidence and or non-Jewish experts play a role in the decision? Did it appear in a commentary, a legal code, a practical manual, a journal article, a newspaper column, or a responsum? Was there significant disagreement on the issue? Was the decision legislative or adjudicative? Was it purely formalistic, or did it take into account possible societal impacts? If there were societal factors in play, does the halakhic decisor tell us about them explicitly? 
Finally, when a series of decisors respond to the same technology, do their methods of response change over time? We'll return to all these questions over the course of the class. Finally, number four, we will not just be reading sources but evaluating them as well. As part of the second purpose of this class, we will spend some time thinking about whether some of the 20th century responses to technology have, in hindsight, been entirely adequate. It is my ultimate goal in this class that you walk away feeling that Judaism can speak to the 21st century, that there can be holiness in what is new, and that Judaism and contemporary Jewish leaders can and should think positively and intentionally about the future. More than other subjects, technology forces us to think in the very long term. For a religion that is 3,000 years old, but is always a generation away from its own demise, I think it is good to get back into the habit of thinking a little bit further out. So that's my talk, and uh, I hope you listen to the rest of the classes in the series as they get released, as they get taught. Thanks.